This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, my name is Matt Bullen. Uh, I'm one of the board members here. Um, I used to be on staff here for quite a few years, and uh, now I get to uh, get an opportunity to be out, serve on the board and uh, just be able to watch God continue to grow this place and just do amazing things in here. And so um, we're going to talk, we're going to continue our series on fear of the Lord, and so I just encourage you uh, to stick with it and just continue. Um, today, I hope that we can kind of break down some things that maybe... Um, we haven't fully understood and that we've walked through and uh, just really see what God has for us. So if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter two. If you didn't bring a Bible, our ushers are here to serve you. If you'd like to get one in your hands, I highly encourage you, get those in your hands. If you would lift your hand up in the air so our ushers can get you a Bible, put one in your hands. So if you would, turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter two or pull your device out, open up the Bible app, close down all the games and get in there and let's... Let's get into the word of God. So while we're doing that, we're gonna go ahead and pray and get this day started. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you, Father, for all these hearts that are here. Father, I know this, that we come and the word teaches us, do not forsake the fellowshipping of brethren. And so, Lord, we thank you that those that have come to join us in person and online, we, we thank you for each and every one of them. Father, I pray that you would open their hearts and ears to receive your word today, Father. I know this, Lord, that uh, you are above all things. And Father, through technology, you can do amazing things. And so, Lord, we thank you for our friends that are online. And Lord, we ask that you would bless them and lead them, just as you would each and every one of us that are here. And so, Lord, I thank you. Help this to be real. Help it to, help it to be relevant. And Father, I pray that you would help me to speak this message with simplicity and clarity. And Father, giving me thoughts and ideas, things that I planned on not saying, so the lives would be affected and changed. And so, Lord, we thank you. We love you. We look to you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I, I always like to break things down before I get going too much. And so one of the things I wanna do is I wanna help you to understand because when I hear the word fear, the first thought that comes to my mind most of the time has to do with terror or being scared or something along those lines, something, something not associated with a good thing. And so when you hear the word fear the Lord, or fear of God, or fear God, I always, my first reaction, and it's ingrained into me, is it's almost a cowering moment. It's like, oh no, don't catch me doing something wrong. Instead of understanding what the true fear of the Lord truly means. And a lot of times, we associate it to the things that we know. So we associate words to what we understand them to be. For example, the Bible teaches us that the Lord's Prayer says that our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, it's those first two words, our Father. Well, when you start to associate that and relate that, a lot of times you have to tie it back to what you know. So when you say our Father, the first thing you think of is your dad. Whether you knew him, whether you didn't know them, whether he was great, whether he was terrible, whether the best or the worst, something in your mind ties that name to what you know. So when we talk about father, we associate it to the father that we had or, the, or maybe a father figure that we had in our lives. And whether that was good or bad or whether those things were wrong, that's what we tie it to. So then you put in this word, fear the Lord, fear God. 
And then you would tie it to a scared moment. So then you go back and you think about it this way. When I was younger, I always knew. I'm sure everybody in this room is the exact same way and everybody who's online is probably the same way. There was something that your dad or that your mom would say that you knew, oh, I crossed the line. Whatever that was. For me, when I heard the name Matthew Michael, heart drop, fear coming over me, sweats coming on, all those things. And whatever that is for you, they could have called you some other name, but you know it's in your mind right now. You're going, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And so a lot of times when you would hear that name, that's what you would associate. So when you hear the word fear, that's what you associate it back to. So when you say fear God or fear, the, fear of the Lord, it's usually thinking of this idea of like God's up there and I'm kind of like, let me hide so that I don't get caught or get in trouble or get swats. But that's not what this truly means. And I think we need to break that down in order to truly receive what God has for us. See, because if we don't change the way we think, we can't conform to what God has called us to do. That's Romans 12 too. See, don't think like the world tells you to think. What's the world say fear? Well, it's scared, it's terror, it's all this other stuff. But renew your mind by the way you think so that you can conform to God's word. See, it's a choice that we choose to make, but we have to choose, am I going to live here or am I going to live here? So when we follow through with that, when we talk about fear of the Lord, we have to understand what fear means. So Isaiah 65 teaches us that his ways are higher and greater than ours. So when we associate father with a father that we know, it doesn't even compare. You know, the Bible teaches us in Roman, or in uh, Ephesians 3.20, it says that his ways are higher and greater than ours. I mean, his, his thoughts are beyond what we can even imagine. That we're thinking, he says that he's got things so far out there, out of the message version, it says beyond our wildest dreams. Meaning we can't even fathom what God truly has for us. So what he's stating is simply this. You have dreams for your life that are like, man, this type of house, this type of car, this type of job, this type of salary. And God's going, yeah, there, there's a barrier to what you can believe, but there's something beyond that that you can't even think of because it's too big, but I'm calling you to get there. And so as you grow up, your dream continues to get bigger, and you're, just, you're not even getting to what God truly fully has for every one of us. See, there's always something more. But when we choose to fear God, it changes because we have to understand. See, I have learned that the fear of the Lord truly means a reverence or a respect or an awe, an understanding that that means. So, so when I break this down, it's I look at God not as this fearful like, so, and, and I share this a lot of times, but it, it's this image that's ingrained into my head from when I was a kid and you're watching Bugs Bunny and Bugs Bunny gets in trouble and he goes before God and God is this big judge who's standing up there waiting and said, you've done this and this and this, telling him all the bad things he's done and he's getting ready to swat him and that's the image for so much of my life that I viewed of God. Instead of the God that it says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who shall ever, whomsoever, shall believe in him, shall have eternal life. See, it starts with the first part. For God 
so loved. In 1 John, it says to know love is to know God. To know God is to know love. See, that's not the image when I talk about the fear of the Lord that pops into my head. So what do I have to do? I have to retrain myself. So when I say, when I hear the word fear of the Lord or fear of God, it should be associated with love. It should be associated with passion. It should be associated with mercy, with grace, with peace, with joy. Not fear, terror, screaming, running, please don't catch me, cowering. And I think until we fully understand that, the fear of the Lord is almost like I can't get that part. You see, and it's, this is what's amazing about the Lord. Everything that you know about the Lord is so small about the, who all that the Lord truly is. And I want you to think about this. Because every time you open the word and you start reading God's word, the reason why you've read that verse a hundred times, yet this time it's a little bit different, and you're like, oh my gosh, I've never seen that before. It's because you're, unveiling, you're un, unraveling, you're picking up another piece, you're peeling off another part and seeing another little bit of who God is. See, that's the amazing part is that I don't think we even have an understanding of how great and mighty God truly is. Because maybe in this area, we can't get past who our father was. Maybe we can't get past fear of God. So we've just gotta keep working. And that's the amazing part about God is that he walks us through and he realizes they won't get this yet. That's why we don't start kindergartners in calculus. They don't get it. Because if I can't get one plus one, I'll never get 2A plus three over four, whatever. I'll never get to that point until I get this down. And you know what? It's okay to be in kindergarten. I don't need to be in that point because this is where I'm at today. But until I receive this, I can't get there. So I'm gonna keep digging in. And I'm gonna keep trusting the Lord. And I'm gonna get this down. Proverbs chapter two, verse one. It says, my child, listen to what I say. It says, and treasure my commands, tune your ears to wisdom, and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver, or seek them like hidden treasures. Verse five, then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. See, that's a, those are great verses right there. But the problem is, is if I don't tie myself and understand what they mean, it's just a bunch of words. So let's go back to verse five and it says, then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. Well, what is it talking about? When it says then, it's tying to something that was previously stated. When you understand this, then you can go here. When you get one and you add one and you put a plus in the middle, it equals this. But I can't get there until both these spots are filled for me to be able to get this. So when I hear then, that's the equal. It takes you to this point. So I've got to go back to verse one through four and I've got to understand this. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. What are my commands? Well, he says this and he talks about it. He says, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's number one. And then love your neighbor as Christ loved the church. Love them, care for them, be with them. Treasure my commands. 
Hold them dear to your heart. That every single day you choose to get up in the morning, sit on it and say, God, this is who I am. I'm a child of the Most High. I am who you say I am. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I sit in those things. I treasure those commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver and let them and seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. See, that's what it's talking about. That's because it teaches you and helps you to understand the first step. So I had this thought, and I'll get back into the message. This was a thought that I had during worship. And I'm gonna work with the staff to see how we can make something like this happen. But I would tell you this, every single morning, many of you probably use your cell phone as an alarm clock, right? Anybody else like that in here? Okay, here's what I challenge you to do. I challenge you to find the songs that we sing. Put that as your alarm. Don't put the little blurring, you know, where you wake up and you're mad and you want to throw your phone across the room because it's annoying and it wakes you up. But it's the only thing that'll wake me up. Here's the deal. Why don't you try this? Change it to something like this. If you can't get it, open up your app and type in there, recording. And you can record yourself and say, I am a child of God. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You find scriptures, you tie them in, or you sing a song, even if you're the worst singer in the world. Sing a song from your heart, and every morning when you get up, you start singing that song. I promise you're gonna see your day is totally different. You're not gonna wake up mad, you're gonna wake up joyful, you're gonna wake up full of peace, and you're gonna wake up and realize, I know this. If he's done it before, he can do it again. He's a way maker. Where I don't see a way, he's a way maker. See, you gotta own that. When you own that, it changes everything because now I'm not trying to figure out a way, I'm seeking him. And I know this, the Bible teaches me that if I'll just be still and know that he is God, everything's gonna be just fine. Everything's gonna be just fine. See, that's what we've gotta get back down to. Be still and know that I am God. So we continue to understand that that's the only way that you're gonna get to understand how to fear the Lord. That's the only way that you will gain the knowledge of God is by understanding these things. If you're taking notes, number one is this. Fear of God is a choice of obedience. Fear of God is a choice of obedience. See, fear of the Lord isn't a bad thing, but it's a choice to be obedient to the one true God who we choose to follow above all else. See, the amazing thing about this is faith and fear have something in common. You're like, no, they're not. They're totally different. I want you to understand this. Faith and fear have something in common. They both say something about the unknown. Or they both say something, maybe this is an easier way to understand. They they both say something about your future. Faith and fear are both speaking about something that has not come yet, that you don't know about. And who you choose to listen is going to impact how you receive that. Because it's coming but you've got to make a decision. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, I want you to listen how it says out of this. This is out of the Amplified Version. And so it's going to be right up here, and I encourage you to do that up here. If you have it on your phone, click over to the Amplified Version. And if you have the Bible app open, if you click it, you can highlight it. You can make it a a screensaver. You can do a lot of things with this because these verses are so amazing. 
that every time we need to see, we need to see this. Verse 12, it says this. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear and worship? I love this. I love this statement because you're going to find a lot of times when you go back and study the word fear, a lot of times it's tied with worship. All They're just hand in hand. They go together, peanut butter and jelly, fear and worship. Because when you choose to fear the Lord, you make a decision not to be manipulated by man or be fearful of man's decision or be fearful of this. You choose to say, Lord, I fear you, which means I'm gonna serve you, which means in that moment, you're choosing to worship the Lord by your actions. See, a lot of times when we think of worship, we think of singing songs. But a worship is the, what you do with it. So what it comes back down to, when I lift my hand, it's a sign of worship. I don't lift my hands because I needed to stretch my shoulders. I needed to get loose, I needed to do something like this. No, I'm lifting my hands because it's an act of surrender, which is a sign of worship. See, so when you make a decision where you normally would say yes and go hang out with all those people, and in turn you say no because you know when I go with those people I do bad things. So instead, I'm gonna say no and I'm gonna do this, that's an act of worship. See, that's what it means to fear the Lord. Choosing to say, Lord, in this moment I serve you, not them, not my feelings, not my whatever. It's, Lord, I choose to serve you. And that's an act of worship. That's what we need to come back to and understand. So it says this, fear and worship of the, the Lord your God with awe-filled reverence and profound respect to walk, that is to live each and every day in all his ways and to love him. And to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your choices, your thoughts, your whole being. Verse 20, same chapter says this. It says, you shall fear and worship the Lord God with awe-filled reverence and profound respect. You shall serve him, cling to him, hold tightly to him and be united with him and you shall swear oaths by his name. Verse 21, he is your praise and glory. He is your God who has done for you these great and awesome things which you have seen with your own eyes. See, this is a decision that you have to choose to make. No matter what your feelings say, no matter what reality is screaming at you, God's word has to be above that. See, what people around you might be screaming and telling you to do might sound good, but if it doesn't tie up with God, if you don't have peace about it, don't follow it. I can tell you this, Pastor Stormy shared these many times. He's talked about when he went in to buy a house, they put money down on the house. He had things down, ready to go, they were gonna buy it, but he walked in and he was like, I don't know, I just don't feel right about it. I don't feel right about it. And they lost all that money that they put towards it. And within two years, that house was condemned. They would have lost everything if he hadn't followed the Lord. See, I'm telling you, you may not understand why today, but it doesn't matter because it's at this moment that I'm gonna say, Lord, I'm gonna serve you. I'm gonna trust you. You've gotten me this far. I've made a lot of mistakes. He's helped me out of a lot of those mistakes. And when I followed him, I look really smart. So I'm gonna follow him because I'd rather look really smart than really dumb. See, it's not me, it's him. But all he's looking for is someone who's willing to say, God, I may not have the most, be the most educated, I might not be the most, the, the smartest in the room, but I can do this, Lord, I can serve you. 
I can serve you above all else. I, I have a lot of people who tell me this. There was a businessman, he, owned, he used to own all the McDonald's around this area. He had a high school education, barely got a high school education. Started working for McDonald's, got involved, and worked his way up, literally from the cash register to becoming the owner. And he owned, I think, probably 25 at one time of these McDonald's. Multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Started as a cash, on the cash machine, working it. Many people I've talked to, many, many smart people, CPAs, <clears throat> CEOs, CFOs, any of those numbers, letters, whatever you want to put with them, they have come to me and said, that is the smartest businessman I've ever met in my life. But if you were to look at him when he was sitting on a cash register, you would have said, that guy's not got a future. Nobody knows your future except him. You've still got a future in front of you. It doesn't matter where you're at, and it doesn't matter what your dreams have come and gone. God's still got bigger ones. We've got to continue to trust him in this. Number two, if you're taking notes, is this. Fear of God means that you trust God. Psalms 115, just to your left, if you're still open right there. Psalms 115, verse 11. It says this, all you. I love this. See, I think a lot of times we read scripture and we zip through things. But I think you've got to slow down and catch every word that God is saying in these scriptures. Listen, it would be better to read one scripture a day and let it sit on you and meditate on it and think on it and get it deep in your heart than it would to be to read the whole book. You've got to get these things in here. So go back and it says, all you. See, there's no exceptions to that. It doesn't mean all you who are wealthy, all you who are blessed, all you who look the right way, all you who say the right things. He just says all you who fear the Lord. Didn't say you have to be perfect. Didn't say anything about how you act. It says all you who fear the Lord. How do you fear the Lord? By the choices that you choose to make every single day. All you who fear the Lord, trust the Lord. He is your helper and your shield. See, that's simply what it comes back down to. That scripture right there. All you who fear the Lord, comma, trust the Lord. That's it. Because he says, he's your helper and he's your shield. He will protect you. He'll set you forward. He'll put your feet going the right direction. Out of the Amplified Version, it says, you who reverently fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Reverently means this, a feeling of profound awe and respect, often love, to consider or treat with profound awe and respect. See, it's not about this fancy way. I used to think years ago, if I didn't pray the right way, God wouldn't listen. I really did. Some of you were like, oh, man, you were really messed up. I really was. I really thought if I didn't say thee and thou and Oh, because I would hear people pray and I'd be like, oh, it's so elegant and so amazing. And then sometimes I'll go back and I'll listen to some of my sermons and I'm like, oh, you're such a bad prayer. Oh man, you're so bad at this. You, you mess up all the time. But it's not about being perfect. It's about the heart that goes behind that prayer. That's what makes it elegant. That's the decision you have to choose to make. So it's, listen, I will tell you this, parents, pray in front of your kids. 
You don't have to be perfect. Your prayer may be simply this, Lord, I have been awful today. I need your help. I am so sorry for what I've done. Because that's a heartfelt prayer. And I will tell you, God will move in your life faster than you can imagine when you have a heart like that. It's not about, for God, thee are the greatest. And the, listen, lean into scripture, pray what you know, and watch God continue to build your knowledge, your wisdom, and everything that comes along with his greatness. It's not about us, it's simply about him. See, that's the decision we have to choose to make. You who reverently fear the Lord, just be obedient. Make a choice. Number two, fear of God means that you trust God. That's it. Pretty simple. See, one of the areas that I think we make some bad decisions in our lives is when we don't think that God has a plan. Or we're not sure God is still moving. Or we're not sure maybe we made a mistake and we're off track. See, the understanding is this. You gotta ask yourself, do you really trust the Lord? See, we need to make choices not to lean into man, but into God. See, there's two faiths or two fears that we can talk about right here. There's a fear of God, which brings faith. Because you're choosing in this moment to be a moment of worship while you fear God. And great things are coming because it's gonna build up faith. Or you can choose to fear man and you're gonna manipulate the situation. So I want you to think about that word, manipulate. What's the first three words of manipulate? Or first three letters? M-A-N. So I want you to think about whenever it comes across your mind, ooh, I think I should say something to the boss. Because if I tell the boss how great I've been doing, maybe he'll give me that promotion. Or maybe he'll do this. You're trying to manipulate the situation to think this is how God wants to get me where he wants to go. Here's what I want you to understand. You can get there with God's help and you will have supernatural abilities and you will be blessed beyond measure. Or you can manipulate the situation and you will fail because you're not made and you're not ready for the position that you think that you're ready for. It's not fair to people to have the wrong leader. Listen, every one of us love whatever, maybe a cake. I, my my mother-in-law, she makes a, a Texas sheet cake. It's so good. I, I can't stand chocolate, but that's the only thing I'll ever eat that I really love. It's really good. But I know this about cakes. You can follow the instructions to a T, and you put it in the oven, and every oven's a little bit different. And you put that in the oven, you follow the instructions, put it in, it says 20 minutes, you put it in for 20 minutes. You can pull it out, and you can put it down, you can turn the oven off, and you can say, it's all ready. But you know what happens sometimes when you shake it, it jiggles, and it's not supposed to be jello, it's supposed to be a cake, it shouldn't shake. You realize real quick, it's not done yet. It doesn't mean it's bad, it just means it's not fully done yet. So what do you have to do? You have to put it back in the oven for maybe five more minutes, maybe 10 minutes. But when that comes out and it is done, it's so good. See, it might be that you're not fully ready for what God has for you. You're still a little jiggly. Take that the way you want. 
See, when you try to manipulate the situation, you have to make a choice. I can choose to trust God or I can choose to trust me. And I'll put my money on God every time. He's too good at what he does. Trust him in this area. You know, there's a story in the Bible that goes through this exact situation. See, Joseph, there was a man named Joseph in the Old Testament. And we're gonna read quickly through the end of his story or, or kind of the middle of his story. He does some amazing things. When Joseph was 17 years old, he got a vision and a dream from God. And in this dream and in this vision, he saw that his brothers, older brothers, that's the key part right there. If you're a younger brother, you know what this is all about. I'm a younger brother. So I'm like, heck yeah, you will bow to me. But anyways, um, this is what, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but this is what it comes back down to. Is that at 17 years old, he gets, this, he gets this vision that God shows him that his brothers, his dad, everybody's gonna bow down to him. And so he saw it as a moment of worshiping him. That's what he saw. And so what do you do as a 17 year old when you see that your older brothers are gonna bow down and worship you? You go tell them as quickly as you can, y'all are gonna bow down and you're gonna worship me. Because that's what 17 year olds do. But we learned very quickly at that moment, he wasn't ready. If he would have manipulated the situation, failure was coming right behind and knocking at the door. See, it took him 13 years to fulfill because there's 13 years of things that needed to be knocked off of him. He wasn't done, he wasn't ready. So he goes through this, and he starts at 17 year old, he gets a dream and he tells his brothers. Then he becomes a slave because one day his dad said, hey, go check on your brothers, trying to mend this relationship. He said, go check on your brothers. His brothers seem far off and say, let's kill him. That's some lovely brothers right there. That sounds like, uh, you know, other brothers in my life. But anyways, so they say, let's kill him. And he's, the oldest brother goes, no, we don't wanna kill him. Let's just throw him in this pit. With the mindset, I truly believe the more I've studied on this, the oldest brother, he wanted to come back and, and rescue him. He wanted to teach him a lesson, but he, he loved him and he, he understood his calling as the firstborn. So they throw him in a pit, they all leave. Some of the brothers see some slave traders come by, they're like, hey, let's at least get some money out of this. If we kill him, we get nothing. Let's at least sell him, we'll get money, and then we'll get to go party and hang out and have fun, and then we'll go back and we'll tell dad everything happened. So he goes through this, he ends up becoming a slave. When he becomes a slave, he ends up, working at Potiphar's house. In Potiphar's house, he gets in there and he rises to the top. And Potiphar doesn't think anything about it. Potiphar goes away, his wife, Potiphar's wife, looks at Joseph and says, wow, he's very handsome. Let's see what we can do with this. Long story short, she comes into the room, kicks everybody out, leaves Joseph in there, gives him an opportunity. Joseph goes running and screaming away, but leaves his cloak. She says, this is what happened. Potiphar throws him in prison. He goes into prison, he rises to the top. The warden doesn't even care what goes on as long as Joseph's in charge. He goes through all these things. And then one day, we come across this situation. Genesis chapter 40, if you have it, go ahead and turn there. So Joseph is in prison, and he knows in his heart, he knows everything about this, he has done nothing wrong. I want you to think in your life, it's not fair Sometimes. Sometimes you look at what people are doing around you and you're like, it's not fair. I should be where they are. 
you have to make a decision. Are you where you are because God has placed you where you are? Or are where you are where you are because man has placed you where you are? You have to make that decision because that will reveal the motivation behind what you choose to do. Joseph goes on, verse eight, for time's sake it says, so these two gentlemen, cupbearer and the, ba- the baker, have these dreams and they come out and they're really distraught. It says, and they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. I love how Joseph starts this. He says, interpreting dreams is God's business. And then he comes right behind with that and says, go ahead and tell me your dreams. What he's stating there is this. God's the one who's gonna break this down. It's not me, but I know this, God works through me. So he says this, so the the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom. And soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand So I took a cluster of grapes and I squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Verse 12, this is what the dream means. So God reveals the dream to him. It says, Joseph said, the three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as a chief cupbearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. I want you to listen to what happened right there. He recognized first, I'm gonna interpret this dream, but it's not me, it's God through me. So he tells him the dream, Joseph interprets the dream, and on top of that, in his mind, he manipulates an opportunity, I can get out of here, because he can tell Pharaoh, the one who's over everything, about me. And therefore, I will be able to be lifted out. Listen to this. It says, mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I am here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. See, what he's looking at is simply this. I found a way. I found a way to make things happen and get me out of this situation so that I can get to doing what God has called me to do. But that's not what God had called him to do. So he goes on, and I love this. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him, the three baskets. Oh, so he goes on and he explains all this stuff. He tells the baker, he got really bad news because in three days he was gonna be dead. Sure enough, all this comes to bear. We're gonna skip down to verse 23. It says, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, the one he just interpreted the dream, however, forgot all about Joseph never giving him another thought. Let's skip to the next chapter, verse one, chapter 41. It says, two full years later. Now I wanna stop right there and I want you to help, I want you to understand something. See, I truly believe that God brought these people into his life. And I know this, God always has a plan and purpose. But I know this also, he won't move you forward until you've received what you've got in this situation. You have to be able to receive this because at the next spot, if you don't, it will be your downfall. I believe that if Joseph would have simply interpreted the dreams and left it alone, 
without trying to say, remember me when you get to the Pharaoh. Tell him about me. His heart would have been different, which means God might have moved a little bit different. I don't know. I'm just saying. But two years later, tells me that Joseph had some things in his heart that needed to be done. What did he talk about? I was done wrong. I was done wrong. It's not fair what they did to me. And if you stay in that moment, God can't bless you and move you beyond. You've gotta let go of that. You gotta let go and forgive. Then you've gotta stop trying to manipulate the situation to make it look better for you. If you did wrong, admit, ask for forgiveness and move forward. But it comes back to this, two years later, two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. He calls in everybody and he said, here's what I dream, here's this dream. And all of a sudden, he goes and he tells everybody about it, the Pharaoh tells everybody about it, and the cupbearer all of a sudden remembers, oh, that's right, there's this guy in prison. See, I believe this. What God realized at that moment is Joseph wasn't ready because he thought, I have a fear of man, I'm gonna manipulate the situation. Remember me. You're revealing something about your heart and your life at that moment when you leave it there. See, you gotta ask yourself simply this question. Is this me making this happen or is this God? That's what we have to choose and understand. Two years later, God saw that Joseph wasn't ready, and so it took him two years, but God let him grow and let him still receive the dream that he truly had. Psalms chapter 19, we'll begin to close with this thought. For the notes, the number three is this, last part, last thought is this. The fear of the Lord leads to great rewards. When we choose to center on God, it changes everything. If you stick with the thought process that it's all about me and what I can do, you're gonna miss it. Psalms chapter 19, verse seven. It says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the, the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence, for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are, more de they are more desirable than gold than even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. Once again, number three, the fear of the Lord brings great reward. It's a choice that we choose to make. See, the thing I want you to understand, and one of my favorite things about this church is that not only do we have pastor that leads this way, but the entire staff. If you see any of this, the staff out in public, they're gonna be the same out there as they are in here. Because there's nothing about performing to be this way. It's about a heart that allows you to be this way. I can tell you this, I mess up all the time. But I have a God who loves me and helps me to get through it. Think about this. Think about if you were great at math or terrible at math, you probably had somebody in your life that would help you through those situations. 
Even when you made mistakes, it's okay, you're so close. Let's try it again. You're just, oh, you're so close. Let's see if we can get it this time. Help me to remember this. What is it, this again? Yes. See, you have the great encourager, the one who loves you above anyone else, the one that says, I will give you beyond your wildest dreams, standing in your corner, just waiting, waiting for an opportunity. And all he's simply stating is this, trust me right now, because I have something great in front of you. I have something so big that you can't even imagine how good it's gonna be. But we can't get there until we finish here. Because when we finish here, it's gonna do something inside of you. It's gonna create something in your character. It's gonna build up that integrity. Because if you were to get there and you weren't ready here, you're gonna fail in this spot. And maybe you've done that. Maybe you got to that position and you failed in that spot. Man may be done with you, but God's not. See, it's about a choice that we choose to say, God, forgive me. Start back over and watch God move in your life. I'm gonna ask you to do the simple thing if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. And the reason why I ask you to bow your heads and to close your eyes is because I don't want you looking around. I don't want you thinking about other people's. I, I, I really want you to look inside yourself for a moment. I love this statement. I heard this years ago. They were talking to these pastors and they said this statement. They said, how, how do you serve God like you, you do? How do you still do that? And they made this statement and he said, I've never gotten over being saved. See, I think at times we treat that moment amazing when it happened, but we look back on it as a common moment. It's not that big of a deal. But let me tell you, God's not common. He's supernatural. And he's ready to do something amazing in your life and amazing in my life. But we have to receive where he's at with us today. And so if you're in this place with every head bowed and every eye closed, I challenge you to ask yourself, where, where are you today? Be honest with the Lord. And so if you're in this place with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you know, you know what? I have made God common in my life. He's not normal. He's just, he's just there. He's not who I'm striving to honor every day. I have not served him with a whole heart of fear. I wanna make a decision today to do that. And so if you're in this place, maybe you've accepted the Lord before, and you say, I'm ready to come back home. I need to rededicate my life. Or maybe you've never truly fully gone all in with the Lord. You know, you've come to church, you sing the songs, but that's where you leave God. It's time to take him and put him in every part of your life. And so if you're in either one of those categories, I'm gonna ask you to do something very simple. By you declaring with a raised hand, by saying, God, that's me, I need you. So if that's you in this place, would you just lift your hand up in the air and say, I need, I need prayer. I see these hands going up all over this place. Listen, don't hesitate because you're worried what others will think because it's about this relationship between you and God. If you base it on those around you, you'll never be successful at this relationship because it's between you and him. Remember, for God so loved 
not just the world, for God so loved you. That he sent his only begotten son that you may have eternal life. It's about that choice. And so as I look across this room one last time, if you're ready to say, I need him. I need to rededicate my life or I need to choose him wholeheartedly. I'm gonna lift my hand up in the air and I see those hands, just keep those hands up in the air. And we're gonna pray, we're gonna, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And I'm gonna ask those that have their hands lifted in the air, pray this loud enough that you can hear it with your own ears. And for everyone else, would you pray this in encouragement of these others? Will you say this? Say, Father, I confess Jesus as Lord of my life. I choose today to put you number one in my decisions, in my choices, in my life, in my relationships, in my workplace, in every single area of my life. You're number one. Lead me and guide me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me a new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Now listen, there's something different. There's something different about each and every person that's in this room, whether you're online or whether you're in here. There's something different. When you hear the word of God, it brings truth. Truth brings freedom. Freedom allows you to be something you've never thought before. It's like Pastor Solomon talked about with the yoke. All of a sudden that yoke is destroyed. It's gone, it's gone, it's gone. Which means when we sing this song, and I'm gonna have you stand to your feet, go ahead and stand up right now. When you sing this song, I don't want you to sing words. I don't want you to repeat what's on the screen. I want you to sing it from here for the first time ever, maybe. And I want you to see what happens when you sing it from here. And so I'm going to encourage you to come to the front. For those of you that raise your hand, come to the front. Don't sit back and hide anymore. Come back to the front. I'm telling you, this is where God is. He's got something great in front of you. And so as we sing this song, sing it. Don't just say it. Sing it out loud from the wholeness of your heart. And if you're on our prayer team, come and lay hands on those that are down here. Just speak blessing over them. Pray over them. Lean into them. Come on. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.